it's times like this I wish I had a really cool kind of Mark Maron intro where you come in and say, you know, what the fuck Nicks, what the fuck bots, what the fuck are this Delix, all of the stuff that he does really cool, but I don't. All I have is a simple message. The Tortoise Shack, the Echo Chamber, Reboot Republic, all of the podcasts and the platform are ad-free, sponsor-free, rely totally on you, listeners, to keep these mics on and conversations happening. We need your support. You're not going to hear an advert from a bank. You're not going to hear me talk about what mattress I slept on last night. And you're certainly not going to hear me telling you how you should wash your balls, lads. I'm sick of people telling lads how to wash their balls. What the fuck is going on? But what you are going to hear until the one day we actually become viable is me ask you for your support. There are tens of thousands of people listening to these podcasts every week. We need some of you to put your hands in your pockets, pay it forward, and keep it free and accessible for everyone. The link is right there in the podcast you're listening to now. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. And as I've said before, think of it as the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. That six, seven quid you throw us helps us create six, seven euros worth of space that we can carve out to have the conversations that you want to listen to, because clearly thousands of you do. So whatever support you can, please chip in. Patreon.com forward slash tortoise Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for liking and sharing. We'd love you to join the community we're trying to build. But I'm done now, and I'm going to let you get to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. I'm your host, Rory Hearn. And today is a podcast that is setting out and making the case for a national state home building agency that would be sustainable, that would build homes, build the homes we need. This is a radical plan, a radical idea, but it, this is an emergency. In this podcast, you're going to hear from um, a number of people. Uh, Father Peter McVeary, who talks about his response to the paper that myself and Phil Murphy, housing researcher, produced and launched this week called Homes for Ireland the case for a national sustainable home building agency. And you can download the report, the full report, report on the Maynooth University Social Sciences Institute website. Um, and I really hope you find this interesting and engaging. Um, there's been a fantastic response to the, the launch of the proposal. Um, and you can hear it in the webinar. Lots of really interesting questions and engagement um, and some of the expected responses from um, <laughs> Fianna Fáil Senator that I was debating on The Tonight Show uh, saying I should uh, take my head out of the books and um, that it's all about ideology. And of course, utterly Shane Castles, his... Um, his desperation to try and claim that actually their interventions are working. Uh, of course, their own ideology has been dominated by the market. And um, he then went on to claim that there was 14,000 social and affordable homes being built when, of course, that's utter nonsense. Um, there's only about 1,500 social, social uh, homes built by local authorities and housing associations 
um, most of them bought from the market. But anyway, you could go behind that and, and into that. And um, also had the response from um, the uh, property industry, again, claiming that this uh, wouldn't work and isn't necessary. And that what's necessary is incentivizing the market. Um, which is clearly working so well. So here is the uh, webinar that makes the case for a national sustainable home building agency, Homes for Ireland, we propose it is called. We believe it is the potential, it has the potential to be a game changer, to really make a difference, to really solve once and for all um, the housing crisis in terms of providing social and affordable homes on a massive scale. Um, We need this. So listen, really hope you enjoy this. Find it interesting. Find it engaging. Let us know your thoughts. Love to hear your feedback. And please, as always, share the podcast around. Thank you so much and enjoy. So good morning, everyone. You're all very welcome to our online webinar this morning. My name is Mags Crean and I am a policy analyst and lecturer here in the Department of Applied Social Studies in Maynooth University. Um, and I'm going to chair this morning's event. So you're all very welcome. We're here for the launch of a policy paper, Homes for Ireland, the case for a national sustainable home building agency. Um, and this paper has been co-authored by Dr. Rory Hearn and Phil Murphy. So the format for this morning is going to be very straightforward. We will have our three speakers and then we will have time for Q&A. So you'll have an opportunity to ask questions and engage um, with the presentations. I would encourage you, though, in terms of managing time properly here on the webinar, and we have a lot of participants, which is fantastic, um, to put your questions into the Q&A function on on Zoom. Um, The chat function will be open as well, so people can interact, but the Q&A function is a very effective way of dealing with questions on a Zoom webinar. So I encourage you to do that. Um, I also know we have a number of elected representatives I can see from our attendees this morning. So I would like to uh, welcome uh, them online here as well. Uh, Deputy Keno Callahan and Deputy Ono Brin. And if I've missed anybody else, feel free to put your name there in the uh, chat function. But it is very good and um, important to have our elected representatives taking part um, in uh, webinar about uh, looking at policy alternatives to our current housing crisis. So you're very welcome. And it might be an idea also at the Q&A section to hear back from um, some of our elected reps uh, before we we look at the wider questions coming in. So I would also like to let our participants know that the event is actually being live recorded. It's been streamed through the Minute University Social Science Institute website and Facebook, and it has been recorded for the Reboot Republic uh, podcast. Um, so before I introduce our first two speakers, I'd like to welcome our three speakers here today. So we have Dr. Rory Hearn, Phil Murphy and Father Peter McFerry. And our first two speakers will be the co-authors of this policy paper, Dr. Rory Hearn and Phil Murphy. Dr. Rory Hearn is Assistant Professor in the Department of Applied Social Studies in Minute University and a member of the Minute University Social Science Institute. He is also author of two books on the housing crisis, Housing Shock in 2020 and Gaffs in 2022. Um, why no one can get a house and what we can do about it. And in both publications, uh, Dr. Hearn puts forward not just expert policy analysis, but um, policy alternatives 
in relation to the housing crisis. And today's policy paper uh, develops on that. He will be followed by Phil Murphy, who is a social science researcher specialising in housing and homelessness. And Phil completed her MSc in Trinity College Dublin in 2021. So I'm going to hand you over to uh, Dr. Rory Hearn, who will be followed by uh, Phil Murphy. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Dr. Crean. It's um, a real privilege this morning to be here and to be launching this um, proposal, this paper, and I'm delighted at the, the engagement already with it and the turnout here this morning from the broad range of um, housing agencies, uh, politicians, um, people working in the housing sector and homelessness um, sector and the general public. And I really um, hope today is a start of an engagement around this um, idea, this proposal, and that we can actually make it um, come to fruition. And I'm going to set out now the case that myself and Phil have developed in the paper. Um, and we will send after the, the uh, presentations, we will put the link for the, the full paper in the, um, in the chat so you'll be able to access it. Um, I'm just going to share my screen now to start the presentation. Um, so I think that in terms of what we have set out here and we present a very detailed um, rationale for why we need a national sustainable home building agency. And the this is the heading from the Irish Times today, which published our opinion piece, Making the Case. And I think it captures very well um, the case about it that we have been talking a long time about the housing crisis, but we need a radical uh, plan to actually solve it and that the private market is not delivering. And so we need the state to step in. And what we do in the paper um, is we set out 10 key arguments that make the case for the um, setting up of a sustainable home building agency. We set out the rationale for it. And we frame it as, and I will explain this in the presentation, as part of developing a new model of public housing um, that would include the continued support and expansion of local authorities and housing associations alongside the setting up of a national home building agency. Um, and then we have details on the proposal. So as I said, you, you'll be able to see that uh, and the the paper uh, will be up on the Maynooth University Social Sciences Institute website. So in terms of then um, the first case, and I'm going to present five of the key arguments and then um, an overall um, kind of the, a sense of our overall proposal. The first argument in favour of this is that the housing crisis now is at such a scale um, in terms of the trauma it is causing but also um, the way in in it is affecting the economy. We have the highest levels of homelessness since um, records began. O over three and a half thousand children now homeless, up 28% in just the last 12 months. We have 15,000 notices to quit issued to um, tenants in the last 12 months. Um, average income earners cannot afford the average rent or average house prices. And this is a, an example of one teacher um, who is facing eviction, is earning a salary of 52,000 and cannot find anywhere to rent. 
Um, and this is the point that this is not just a social catastrophe. It is affecting our key public services and their ability to function. Um, schools, hospitals, uh, key services. And we also have the issue of young people, young adults and increasingly middle-aged adults been unable to leave the family home uh, with major social impacts, impacts on family formation. Um, and we have seen a doubling of the proportion of young adults living at home with their parents in the last decade. Um, and therefore, we make the case that the state has to intervene in an unprecedented way and in an emergency way to guarantee the delivering of, a delivery of housing to meet this social need. And at the core of this is that the market has failed. We are experiencing in, our, in Ireland a systemic and prolonged market failure to deliver the fundamental requirement of home and housing. Now, there are many particular reasons why the private market is failing to deliver housing in Ireland, but the evidence is overwhelming that it is failing to deliver and has been for well over a decade. If we look at, for example, we are seeing um, even in the last eight months at a time of unprecedented housing need, the construction index falling for eight months consecutively. We're going to see this year the number of new homes being built fall on last year. Um, the number of new commencements figures show that there will be just 27,000 new homes built this year. We have analysed um, the Rebuilding Ireland targets and the Housing for All targets and compared them to the actual delivery from the market and the state. And the underachievement of targets from the start of Rebuilding Ireland in 2016 to up to um, this year, including this year, will mean a deficit, an accumulated deficit of 63,000 homes um, that haven't been built, that should have been built to meet that need. So if you add that to the 33,000 annual targets in housing for all, actually what is needed is substantially higher than the existing housing for all targets. And this is, as I said, we are experiencing a structural market failure. And that is really important because this is something that other countries are not experiencing in the same way or to the same extent. And therefore, what is required in Ireland is something different than many other countries in terms of the level of intervention that is needed um, in the housing system and housing market. The other issue is that um, the level of, as I've set out, housing demand and housing need is significantly beyond what is set out in Housing for All, the government's current plan and targets. The Housing Commission has estimated that up to 62,000 homes are needed per year. As I said, that's almost double current Housing for All targets. The official um, social housing uh, targets are based on the estimation of housing need based on the social housing assessments of need, which are social housing waiting lists, which are in the region of 60,000 households. Yet they do not include the 60,000 households who are in receipt of HAP payments in the private rental sector, who are in an insecure form of housing and who are in need of actual permanent social housing. If you add those together, actually, the real level of social housing need is 120,000 households. If you add the young adults who aren't who are living at home who aren't captured in housing need, 
those in hidden homeless, disabled people, many of whom who do not apply for local authority housing waiting lists yet are in need of housing, travellers um, who are in substandard housing who also are not captured on housing waiting lists, those in domestic violence refuges. There's a much greater level of housing need than is actually captured in housing for all targets. We have estimated that that is in the region of 500,000 households. If you're going to address that over a decade, that would mean uh, delivering 50,000 social and affordable homes per year. And when you compare that to the housing for all targets, which is just 14,000 social and affordable housing units um, per year. The other issue then, the argument that we make um, and the evidence is there that the current approaches to delivering social and affordable housing are overly dependent on the market and therefore are also failing to deliver on the scale needed. In 2022, last year, if you combine social and affordable housing, um, new build, new stock added, it was in the region of eight and a half thousand homes. That is only 60% of the housing for all targets of 14,000 social and affordable homes. So current delivery mechanisms of social and affordable housing are not even meeting, as I've explained, the already um, inadequate targets. And of those, 73% came from the private market. The overwhelming majority of new build social and affordable housing units are being brought, are being bought, purchased as turnkey projects from the private market. There are a number of issues with that. It is extremely expensive as a form of delivery of social and affordable housing. It is also dependent on supply from the private market. And therefore, this year, for example, as we're seeing a reducing of that supply, it will be more difficult to deliver social and affordable targets. It also adds pressure to the housing market and adds a housing demand into the housing market, um, inflating prices, inflating um, demand, when in actual fact what the state should be doing is providing its own independent supply, independent of the market, and therefore reducing overall demand pressures in the market and therefore prices. If you include the housing assistance payment, over 90% of social housing output in 2022 was bought, purchased or leased or rented from the private market. The fifth argument then we make is that the climate emergency requires a fundamental transformation in how we build homes, build new homes, and how we make existing homes energy efficient and how we use our existing built environment. And in particular, if we look at new home building, factory delivered housing is one of the most efficient, sustainable, and rapid forms of housing delivery. Yet we're not seeing an adoption of those methods in the private market. And that is because it is risky in terms of an investment. There is not a guaranteed uh, delivery streams by the factories. And we're actually seeing in the UK modular factories being closed because they're loss making, because the supply is not being, the demand is not being uh, delivered to them because they don't have essentially um, anybody buying the products on an ongoing basis. 
And this is, again, shows the problem of relying on housing provision on the market. We have a new way that is more environmentally sustainable, more efficient, quicker, yet the market won't deliver it because it is not as profitable as traditional methods and it's not guaranteed in terms of the sale of the product. So what we should do is the state should be stepping in and delivering on these modern methods that are sustainable and that are being deemed as too risky by the private market. The other area is retrofitting. We need a massive level of retrofitting of existing social and rental, private rental and affordable housing. The current targets are too low. The capacity within the private construction industry is not there. A national sustainable home building agency could really tackle that area. It could also tackle on a strategic and coordinated way the huge level of dereliction in the uh, built environment in our towns and villages and cities. Much of that uh, dereliction is left because it's not considered profitable or viable as a financial investment for the private sector. So what are we to do? Are we just going to leave um, this level of dereliction, this level of unsustainable use um, of our towns and cities, or are we going to do something else? A state construction company, a state agency could intervene, as I said, on a strategic and coordinated level, compulsory purchasing uh, properties, engaging in, in larger scale refurbishment, redevelopment that would be delivery economies of scale um, and bring into use significant numbers of buildings on a rapid level. So our proposal then is very clear. It is firstly for developing a new model of public housing that would be aiming to bring the stock of public housing, which is social and affordable housing, up to a third of our total housing stock, which is much closer to successful models of housing like Austria, uh, Denmark, Sweden. At the moment, just 10% of our housing stock is social or public housing. To bring our housing, public housing stock up to a third of our overall stock would require an additional 366,000 uh, public homes. If you did that over a decade, that would mean adding 36,000 additional homes, social and affordable homes. That is the scale of what is required um, to, do, to really address the housing crisis. So we need a new housing plan, a new public housing program that would aim to deliver at least that. That could be done, for example, through delivering 15,000 affordable home ownership homes that we make the case would be retained. The land on which they were built would be retained within the public sector held into perpetuity. And therefore, these could be retained as a permanent form of home ownership, of affordable home ownership. It would also include building 10,000 cost rental homes per year and 15,000 social homes. So we set out that there should be three core pillars to the state delivering this public housing for all. A new national sustainable home building agency, along with enhanced local authorities delivering and the supporting of not-for-profit housing associations and community housing. So how would the agency work then? The agency should provide an overall coordination of the delivery of public housing. It would be a construction company as well that would directly build and deliver homes. It would be a semi-state public company with the sole function of delivering social and affordable housing and be responsible to the Minister for Housing. It would directly employ all the skills, trades and professions 
that are required to design, plan, develop, finance, build and refurbish housing. It would have regional offices, so it would ensure a delivery of housing, of social and affordable housing across the country. I think it should set up, and we set out this, for at least four regional factories that would deliver affordable homes. It could, for example, purchase that factory in Leeds that is being shut down currently um, because it is loss making, because it is not getting the, as I said, um, the delivery um, uh, in terms of actual uh, supply being being, uh, set up. And there are many private companies, construction companies in Ireland going into receivership right now as well. These could also be purchased and bought in under um, a public construction company. Within three years, if this was seriously uh, adopted as a proposal and delivered and the uh, entire weight of the Irish state was put into delivering this, it could, we believe, be delivering 10,000 social and affordable homes within three years. A public home uh, building agency would ensure beautiful, well-designed, social and affordable housing. It would bring together key expertise in one agency that would drive that delivery. Um, It would also play a coordinating role with local authorities and housing associations. It could be contracted also alongside delivering itself, directly building on public land. It could also be contracted by local authorities to deliver as well and support them to deliver their own um, housing. It would also, as I said, very importantly, be additional to the continued expansion of local authority and housing association public housing delivery. Essentially, we have the opportunity now to do this. The budget surplus gives us a historic opportunity to once and for all solve the housing crisis. We should use that to set up a national sustainable home building agency. A 2 billion initial equity injection should be put into setting up the agency as part of an overall 8 billion allocation from the rainy day surplus fund to public housing development. The economic and social costs of not doing this far outweigh the costs of what it would to do it. Investing in providing permanent public housing and the capacity to deliver this on a permanent basis is the most cost effective and efficient and um, sustainable use of our budget surplus. It would provide the permanent labor, the permanent capacity to build, to refurbish and to retrofit homes, which is going to be needed into the future in this country. We really thank you for taking uh, for being here today with us. We look forward to engaging with all stakeholders in progressing this proposal. Thank you so much. Um, and I'll hand over now, hopefully, to uh, co-author uh, Phil Murphy um, to continue then with the presentation. Look at the area of construction workers and construction employment and what we propose in this area. Hi, Rory. That's great. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to get my slides up. Give me two seconds. Uh, sorry, there's a lot to do. Um, sorry about the delay. Um, my name is Phil Murphy. I'm a housing researcher and I co-wrote the paper with Rory. And I'm going to have a look at how a national sustainable home building agency, how this would impact on construction labour. 
Uh, a state-run construction company would offer direct employment. A national sustainable home building agency would directly employ construction workers, uh, professions and trades and provide quality permanent employment and lease apprenticeships. The agency would employ all the key skills, trades, professions required to design, plan, develop, finance, build, retrofit and refurbish homes from architects, engineers, block layers, carpenters and electricians. The agency board should include representatives from trade unions, local authorities, social housing experts, construction sector experts, and uh, research finds that increasing the levels of direct employment is essential to make construction more attractive for workers. It would help improve the apprenticeship numbers and skills personnel. A state-run construction company would create security in the construction sector. Construction is notoriously precarious in the, since the industry is susceptible to boom and bust business cycles and is characterised by subcontracting and over self-employment. The Irish construction sector has changed since the 2008 financial crisis, with a shift towards self-employment and subcontracting, particularly in the in the wet trades such as block work, tiling, painting, plastering, and construction workers have now become part of the precarious big economy. Almost one quarter of construction workers are self-employed, and this is considerably higher compared to the rest of the of industry in general, where it's only just under four percent. And bogus self-employment is rife in the construction industry, particularly in the wet trades. Um, bogus self-employment occurs when workers who should be classified as employees are marked as self-employed, and this results in savings for the employer, but it's very bad for the workers themselves because they because they don't pay PRSI. It means that they're entitled to sick pay or holiday pay, or they're not entitled to, they don't get pension contributions either. Um, a state construction company would need to improve terms and working conditions for construction workers. But um, it would do this by offering quality permanent employment, well-paid apprenticeships, improved wages and employee benefits, better regulation and improved safety and quality standards. The competition from a state-run construction company would also pressure the private sector to match or improve upon their terms and conditions, safety standards and benefits, or else lose the best of the workforce to the best of jobs. State building agency would follow all the health and safety regulations properly and be a leader in developing safe and quality work standards and practice in the construction industry. The employment quality matters, especially in construction, given the physical demands of the work and quality employment and health insurance and pensions are vital. The state construction company would ensure that construction labour is prioritised providing homes. And during the national housing crisis, only a quarter of construction workers in Ireland are actually building homes. The majority are actually building hotels and offices. In the middle of a housing crisis, it is just scandalous that this is allowed to happen. And we should be diverting the uh, um, construction labour towards the building of residential homes. And of course, a state construction company with a mandate for building homes would do this. And there's a chronic shortage of skilled construction workers. In 2007, we had 2,327,000 construction workers. However, in 2022, there was only 127,000. And that's about 6% of the national workforce. And uh, this is below the European average of 8%. And the housing for all plan is completely dependent on the industry to increase apprenticeships and attract new workers. 
an estimated 50,000 skilled workers and professionals are required to deliver these annual targets of 33,000 house completions between 2023 and 2030. And these targets are considerably lower than what's actually needed. And additional uh, uh, 23,000 workers are needed for retrofitting and almost 4,000 will be needed for general repair and maintenance. Housing crisis cannot be resolved until we resolve the skills shortage. And the skills shortage cannot be resolved until we create security within the construction sector. And a state-run construction company would encourage more work people to work in construction um, by, uh, by offering quality permanent employment and decent apprenticeships. And this would attract workers. And young people and ex-construction workers are reluctant to enter construction in Ireland because there's high job security, there's a lot of focus self-employment, and there's boom and bust bouts of unemployment and immigration. And 10,000 new apprenticeship registrations were needed last year, but only 3,000 were registered. And making uh, construction a more attractive industry sector would encourage more young people to pursue a career in construction. Um, the over 13% of young people in Ireland aged 15 to 29 are not in education, um, employment or training, and that's considerably higher than the EU average. And last year, 54,000 people immigrated from Ireland, and a lot of these were in their 20s and 30s, and many of these would have left because of the housing crisis. And we have this opportunity to increase capacity through, by attracting more women into construction is important by offering um, by offering uh, family-friendly practices um, such as uh, maternity leave and, and more flexible employment. Construction workers are essential workers. The state employs 41,000 nurses and 64,000 teachers to guarantee the delivery of public health and education. However, housing is as important as health or education. The state ensures that every doctor, nurse and teacher are suitably qualified and have permanent jobs in decent pay. We need to provide the same approach for construction workers. And that's me done. Thank you. Many thanks, uh, Rory and Phil, for both those presentations and for giving such a, a detailed overview of the policy paper content. There is a lot of detail there, a lot of facts, a lot of figures. And as I think Rory mentioned earlier, and going through our participants here, we have a lot of expertise in the participants here as well. So I'm sure there could be a full day of conversations and questions, um, which we don't have time for. Um, but the paper itself and the presentations are available um, on the Minute University Social Science Institute uh, website. So do look at that. And obviously, Rory is available uh, for follow-up discussions and conversations. I'm sure it is the start of many. Um, and we will get to some of the questions in the Q&A at the end. Um, so yeah, I think we move on to our final speaker, which is uh, Father Peter McVerry. Um, so Father McVerry will be known to most of you for his tireless uh, work in terms of his activism and campaigning in relation to homelessness and uh, the housing crisis. And his work with the Father Peter McVerry Trust, uh, which, is his, which he founded, um, means that he meets these issues on the front line day in, day out. So he um, is seeing the impact of this housing crisis directly and the, the human impact um, that Rory alluded to earlier as well. So he's very well placed to be here today um, to speak to the need uh, for policy change in relation to housing in Ireland. So I will hand over now to Pod Father Peter McFerry. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Mags. Uh, sorry, I don't have any slides. I'm much too lazy to do slides. So uh, you'll have to uh, just listen to me waffling. <clears throat> I think this is one of the most important uh, proposals to address the housing crisis that we've seen in many years. Clearly, the housing policy has failed. Record house prices, record rents, record homelessness. And the mantra we get from the mainstream, the mantra we get from the mainstream uh, political uh, commentators is that this problem cannot be solved until supply meets demand. But that's going to be 2050 at the very earliest, and we can't wait that long. Attempts by successive governments uh, to solve this problem involve tweaking the present system, smaller apartment sizes, less car parking spaces, and of course the infamous co-living proposals. Uh, that we, we heard about, all of which increased builders' profits, but did little to improve the housing situation. And this proposal, in considerable detail, is an attempt to think outside the box. And the box is the private market. Now, the private market has an important role to play, providing homes for those who can afford to pay, and thereby making a profit. But it is not nor is it interested in providing housing for low-income households. So the state traditionally steps in by providing subsidies and incentives to the private market. For example, we are spending, we are giving private landlords 2 million euros per day to provide housing for low-income households. And so Rory and Phil's uh, presentation today <clears throat> is to say, let the state do it. Let the, let the state step in and do it. The state has the land, enough land to build 100,000, and it has the money uh, to be able to do it. You know, a house uh, that costs 450,000 today, at least a third of that uh, price of that house is the price of the land on which the house is built. And, uh, Builders are want a 15 to 20% profit on the building of the house. So if the state built the house, it would save 150,000 in land costs because the state owns the land. And it would save 50 to 80,000 on builders' profits. And that house could be built for maybe 250 to 300,000 euros instead of 450,000. It just makes so much sense. Often the objection, and there would be huge objections to this proposal, <laughs> massive objections. Uh, the, the, the building industry is, of course, going to object. <clears throat> uh, this, as, as Phil has said, a state agency would provide permanent, guaranteed, and continuous employment uh, to workers in the building sector, uh, which as Phil said again, has large numbers of employees on subcontracting and bogus self-employment, which is not attractive uh, to many builders. So the building industry will oppose this truth and nail, and so will some political parties. Our present government is committed to privatization. We've privatized nurse, uh, nursing care for the elderly, we've privatized childcare, we've privatized everything that can possibly privatize. <laughs> And the rationale for that is that privatization increases competition, 
and therefore it increases efficiency and value for money. The opposition to this is precisely because it increases, it increases competition. It will increase competition in the building industry. And that is what our, 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 some of our political parties will oppose truth and mail. Political parties whose constituency, core constituency or homeowners would be horrified at the thought of a state agency building houses at a, at a much lower cost than private houses. Because the effect of that will be that housing across the board will be the cost of housing across the board will be reduced. And homeowners will see the paper value of their home being reduced. And certain political parties will go spare uh, at the idea that their constituency would appear on paper anyway to be losing, losing wealth. And the other issue <clears throat> is vacant buildings. You know, we have so many vacant buildings. Some local authorities are much better at building the, bringing those vacant buildings back into use. Waterford Council brought 45 vacant buildings back into use over an 18-month period. <clears throat> Still very few, but better than anybody else. Some local authorities brought no empty buildings back into use, and some brought one empty building back into use. We have so many empty buildings. There should be nobody homeless in any town in Ireland because the number of vacant buildings in every town far outnumbers the number of homeless people in, in, in any particular town. The so state would ensure that those vacant buildings could be brought back into use much more effectively and much more efficiently than relying on the private developers or the owners to, uh, to, to consent to them. And as Phil said, the state employs tens of thousands of teachers and nurses and doctors, uh, Phil said, at, at good pay. I'm not sure the teachers and nurses would agree with that. But anyway, uh, they do employ tens of thousands of uh, uh, of, of people in providing health and education because health and education is seen to be essential to the well-being of citizens. Housing is equally essential. In fact, in many respects, is even more essential. And why the state can't employ tens of thousands of people in constructing houses for people who don't have them uh, seems to me a, a scandalous uh, omission. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Father Peter McBerry. I think you very clearly highlighted um, a lot of the inevitable um, opposition or resistance <clears throat> like this might meet, but I think equally opened with the words about it being one of the most important policy proposals that you have seen in many years. So I think that's um, very significant uh, from some mature level of understanding and experience in relation to the housing crisis in this country and that the very human impacts having for um, people and some of our most vulnerable people um, in Irish society. So on that, um, I think we can now start to look at the questions coming in. But before I go directly to the questions, and there are a good few here in the chat and in the Q&A, um, we do have uh, a number of uh Lex uh, representatives, TDs here um, as participants, and it would be interesting to get their um, brief but um, uh, 
important feedback on just what they've heard there now of either. I think uh, Deputy Keno Callan is here and Deputy Ono Brain. If either would like to come in with any comments. I don't know, Anne, if you can see if anyone... Um, I'm having issues with my signal. So if either of you are there, would you mind just sending me a chat and then I can allow you to speak or come on camera if you just want to send a message to MUSSI. Or if you raise hand there. If not, I also see we have... um, Barry Murphy here as well, who is um, Cork Raised Roof and also um, the Plasters and and Allied Trade Services uh, Union. I don't know if Barry wants to say a few words. Yeah, hi. Thanks, uh, Dr. Green. Uh, Thanks, Rory, Phil and Father Peter for um, your excellent presentations. Look, from from a, a construction worker's point of view, I suppose it's very pointed that I have two sons who didn't follow me into construction. And Phil's point about decent jobs is really so, so important. People need to realise that if they go into a shop tomorrow, buy a pair of shoes, a slice pan, they actually have more protection than when they're buying a home. Because people are walking on and working on building sites and so nobody's checking their qualifications and people need to realise that's the biggest outlay most people will have in, in their lifetime. Uh, people think Grenfell couldn't happen here. Grenfell could, of course, happen here. And unless the government directly employs people and checks their skills, decent terms and conditions of employment, the housing situation will never be addressed. There's three core issues involved in this. It's affordability availability and the security of tenure for the tenants and the only people that can provide big enough with the finance and the power to provide that is the government. But they prioritise profit over need for far too long and it's a wiser person than me that said it's only a fool we keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. And I'm afraid rebuilding Ireland, housing for all, are just a rehash of the same failed policies that we've seen for the last 30 years. And I would just encourage everyone here to get active because the conversation is is changing. It's changing because the likes of Rory and Peter McVary, Larkinsar, and people in the trade union movement and the people in the raised roof. And people need to start asking their public representatives why their taxpayers' money is being wasted and handed over to the private sector and why we have over 3,500 children homeless in one of the richest countries in the world. So thanks, everyone, again. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for that input. Yeah, we have a lot of questions here. So what I'm going to do is I'll read out the questions that have came in through the Q&A first and then some from the chat function. If there's a bit of repeat, I'm apologies in advance if you don't hear your exact question. It's because someone else has covered it in possibly um, same way. So we've one question kind of follows on from Barry's points there and mainly your presentation, Phil. And this is very specific. It's about the number of state builders we'll need. Um, how you will attract and secure builders, how long will this take? Um, and these are not incremental builders. So how long does this guarantee big incremental volumes of housings, houses being built? 
don't know if Rory or Phil wants to take that. There's a good few questions in that. Will I start and then, or Phil, do you want to go? Um, no, I'll let you start and I'll, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, there is a number of questions. In terms of the, the volume and how could this get to scale rapidly? That that's a you know a very important question, and I, my starting point because I've been asked this you know a number of times you know how would this deliver rapidly? It, the starting point is that myself and others you know the the Nevin Economic Research Institute, um, the you know Manny and the trade union movement have been making the case for a public uh, home building agency for for a number of years. If that proposal had been taken up three years ago, five years ago, we would be in a completely different situation now. And so there's always a point at which uh, it seems, well, it's not an immediate response, therefore we don't do it. Um, But the crisis just continues. So at some point we have to bite the bullet and go, well, we need to do this now. It might take two or three years to get up and and delivering, but if we don't start it now, the crisis will just continue. and in terms of the ability to, I think that there are a number of ways in which you could rapidly build up uh, capacity. The first, as I said, is you could purchase private construction companies, both in Ireland and in other jurisdictions, be that Northern Ireland, be that the UK, um, where, as I gave the example, there is a modular uh, home factory in Leeds currently in the process of being wound down. That could be purchased uh, by the Irish state and delivering modular housing into Ireland um, and bring in that expertise as well. We could also set up, as I said, uh, rapidly factories uh, to build modular housing. Some of these factories in the UK, for example, are delivering 4,000 homes in a year. Um, like That is a phenomenal volume. Um, it's what's possible. Um, and I think that's the way you could rapidly uh, develop capacity. Also, by rapidly setting up, by hiring the skills, um, by providing that secure employment that would attract the skills, I think we could build up the ability to be uh, building homes very, very quickly. Um, and because it would be the state setting it up, it is a guaranteed permanent employment. Uh, that is, you know, anyone you talk to in the construction sector will say that, um, you know, it's insecure. They would, many of them would leap at the idea of, well, here's a permanent job to contribute in building a future for Ireland. Um, I think you could very rapidly build up that capacity um, and both, um, you know, take on the construction workers. The numbers required, it depends. In the region of, it takes approximately, and and I've assessed uh, some of the private development companies um, and look at their figures and numbers. Um, Some of them are building with about, it's interesting, of course, the private developers employ some of the big ones, only about 300 people directly. But to build, for example, 1,500 homes traditionally, you would be talking about 3,000 workers uh, all in all contributing to build that. So you can extrapolate from that. If you were delivering 5,000 homes through traditional methods, you would probably need about 10,000 workers. But if you're delivering it through factory methods, it's about one in four. It's about, um, for 4,000 homes, it's about 1,000 uh, um, construction workers. So you can see through modular, you can build with less workers. Um, but they are the sort of numbers we're looking at and you would need in terms of delivering the capacity. So maybe Phil then. Thank you, Marie. And I suppose as well, um, you know, like during the 
after the last downturn, up to 70,000 workers who lost their jobs would have emigrated. And some of these people would actually be willing to return if there was clear guaranteed employment in a national building agency. Also, like we have a lot of young people who are not employed and um, we have a lot of young people who are immigrating. So that's all people that could be brought in to work in the state construction company. And certainly having an agency that offered quality permanent employment, that was I would definitely encourage more people to consider a career in construction because one of the biggest, I suppose, one of the biggest reasons people aren't going to construction is because it's so insecure because, I mean, there's very bad terms in condition. So if we improved working conditions for the workers, that would make it a more attractive sector. So, and I suppose it would encourage more young people to join in because, I mean, yeah, just, I mean, the job would be better paid, it'd be more secure and, yeah. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Rory. Um, I know. I think uh, Deputy Owner Brain wants to come in there with a comment, if he has access there to his microphone. I think I do. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. Well, look, for, first of all, just to, to Phil and Rory, well done, um, both on the uh, report and on the piece of the Irish Times today. Like, I think this is really timely because there, there have been many of us who've been arguing for some time that there's a number of values in, in the creation of a, a public construction company. For me, probably the two real values is it be, could become a, a, I suppose, housing system leader in new building technologies and low carbon technologies. So not just providing large volumes of affordable homes, but also doing that in a manner that allows us to meet uh, our very significant emissions reductions targets in terms of embodied carbon. Uh, and in some senses, like Rory mentioned, some of the building companies across Britain. Uh, unfortunately, some of that sector is experiencing quite significant challenges at the minute. We've had a number of companies going into receivership, but a state-led company would have the ability to, to carry that risk to ensure not only we would have large volumes of good quality, affordable and social homes, but very low carbon. What I would also say, however, is, is it doesn't have to be an either or. This just goes back to the question of you know, how quickly could you, could you set it up? Uh, because it's important to understand that throughout some of the most significant periods of public housing construction in the state, we had a hybrid approach. We had direct labour crews and local authorities, and we had high-quality building contractors, not developers, not speculative profiteers, uh, but good-quality builders who made very reasonable margins and employed large numbers of people. For me, the challenge there is to ensure uh, as you're establishing your public construction company, uh, uh, where local authorities and approved housing bodies are engaging with private building contractors, they're doing so with tender agreements that ensure adherence to the highest quality uh, uh, terms and conditions, not just in terms of rates of pay, but also in terms of other supports uh, for workers. Uh, and for me, the real distinction is, is we need to move our local authorities and approved housing bodies into primarily dealing with building contractors alongside an emerging state construction company, rather than the preference they've had to date, which is using private developers uh, who are a separate entity with separate levels of profit taking. Um, the only other thing I'll say is this. Um, uh, our housing system is not a single system. The Southwest is different to the Southeast, is different to Dublin and the commuter belt. And therefore, it may not be a single company. It may be a company that has uh, uh, um, regional divisions which focus on the regional dynamics 
in different parts of the country uh, uh, because we've had state construction company before, obviously in the 60s. Uh, uh, the government has tried to do something uh, in a slightly different way with the LDA. Uh, and that may or may not work uh, 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 for the larger urban areas. But we also need social affordable homes in rural Ireland. Uh, we need uh, construction sector workers to be able to work in close proximity to where they live. And therefore, sometimes what you need is a regional local approach, but that isn't incompatible with the propositions that Rory and Phil have made here today. So good, timely piece of research, and I hope it really does provoke a debate and some significant policy change in this area. Thanks, Deputy O'Brien. And um, before I let uh, Rory or um, one of our speakers come back in there, maybe respond, it ties in slightly your last comment there, but another question we have here. So I'll just put that in now as well. So if Rory's responding, you might include this as well, where one of our participants asked that already um, a similar proposal for a regional um, vehicle was rejected by a number of local authorities and the Department of Housing has already rejected a proposal for a similar um, delivery vehicle. That's a question there in our chat. So it just ties in with uh, the end point there. Thanks. So no, Rory, if you want to respond. Yeah, thanks, Mags. And thanks, Deputy O'Brien, um, for that uh, very supportive um, comments there. And I really welcome that. I think that's very significant um, that the uh, housing spokesperson of the opposition um, has, of the main opposition party, has uh, supported that the proposal broadly. That's really, really welcome. Um, and we really look forward to engaging uh, with Owen and Sinn Féin. Um, and I think, as I said, uh, I think you said Kino Callaghan from the Social Democrats and others, um, both in government as well, who are um, willing to seriously engage with us, uh, with us um, and state agencies um, to look at this. There, there are a number of things I think you could you could address this and. I think Owen is right, and we say this, that there is a need for a regional focus in delivery um, because they are different and the housing needs are different. And, and the real issue, I think, um, is that some local authorities, smaller ones, for example, the, the, just the scale at which they have to deliver and the, the rapidness is beyond what you could consider uh, to be expected of smaller local authorities in particular. And a national building agency could support that delivery um, in the regions, in, in local areas, um, because we've seen, you know, some parts of the country, there is no social housing, uh, no affordable housing being delivered. And just to say on that, you know, affordable housing delivery is key to this. Delivering housing for key essential workers um, is really at the core of this. And while we have seen this, the increase in social housing delivery, we haven't seen anything on the, the scale of what's required on affordable housing delivery. And, and we propose that that's afford, a form of affordable housing that is public housing. It's not just affordable housing that's sold off to the, the private market, but that is retained in a form of public ownership. And a public agency that is both a public housing delivery and construction could retain that as well into perpetuity. And I think that's important. Um, the other, uh, I think, issue is around the question of, um, you know, this, the, you know, how a public agency would fit um, and what it would do. And I think that in particular, you know, proposals have been made, um, as was mentioned there in the question, uh, the Department of Housing haven't taken them on board, uh, the Department of Finance have rejected them. Um, and I think that there's a real need, and I would really challenge, and, and I think all of us need to challenge the ourselves, challenge, you know, government departments, challenge organisations who are in this area and say, if what is being done is not working, 
why are we unwilling to take and adopt, you know, measures that could actually work? And who is dictating the the reasons for why these are not being delivered? And I would I strongly hold uh, the belief and the evidence is there that developers, private developers, are heavily influential uh, in determining policy. And I think that Owen made a very important point here. And we say it as well, that this is not about replacing the private market in housing delivery. This is actually, um, in many ways, and the ESRI has made this point, that this could actually add capacity to the private sector to deliver housing. Because by providing apprenticeships, construction workers, building that capacity up, you actually create a broader pool of labor, expertise, capacity to the entire industry to deliver homes. And I think those in the private market who are genuinely trying to deliver housing have nothing to fear from a public uh, construction company. But those who are engaged in speculative development and who just want to maintain inflated house prices, inflated rents, inflated land prices, yes, this company uh, offers an alternative way that would challenge that dominant way uh, of working. But I think that, um, and of course, um, as um, we set out in the paper, that as you expand a public construction company and into the future, you are going to need builders, small builders, SME builders, private builders to continue to build for the state and to be contracted. But what we need to do is end our reliance on the large developers, the large investor funds from delivering uh, housing, social and affordable housing, because they don't do it uh, at an affordable rate and they don't do it at the scale um, necessary. And I think within this, we need to look at um, how and why our government departments are so reluctant to take risk decisions to take decisions that require moving on um, and moving on rapidly in new ways. Whose interests are they defending? Is it their fear of failure? Is it their fear of being criticized? Um, and I think we need to say, look, we need to do these emergency measures. We need to take radical different approaches. And I look forward to engaging, hopefully, with the Department of Housing, the Department of Finance, um, and we will be writing to the uh, Oireachtas Committee on Housing to present to them this proposal. We really look to engage. And I think the conversation is changing. I think there's a broad recognition that something different has to be done. And I would hope that um, that fear of uh, risk, that fear, almost a, con a, a conservatism within our government departments, within our state, will be put aside to actually address the social and economic needs that are there. And, and Maybe Phil would like to come in or, or Peter and respond to those as well. Do either of other speakers want to come in or will I move on to another question? Okay, I'll, I'll move on. There's a lot of questions. So, and we are literally down to our last 28 minutes. So there's a question here in relation to sustainability. Um, what is the net zero climate crisis focus in this proposal to go together with the housing crisis response and the reconciliation of these two critical priorities? So I suppose that's for Rory or, or Phil direct. Phil, do you want to come in on that? Um, Mike, leave yourself handle it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, um, and again, you know, we frame this proposal and we call the agency 
uh, a sustainable home building agency. And the word sustainable is put in the title on purpose um, because they have to be dealt with uh, in an intersected and intertwined basis. They are, you know, the two critical emergencies uh, and they are emergencies, both of them, the housing and climate emergencies that and they have to be addressed um, in in you know, connected way. And the argument has been made, there's a number of arguments that have been made around this. The first is that, well, we shouldn't actually be building new housing because the level of, uh, you know, energy and, um, you know, embodied carbon use just means we should be, we shouldn't be building new housing. That has been made. But clearly, that is not a social uh, or economic um, possibility. But what we do have to do is deliver new homes in the most uh, sustainable way possible. Um, but also we need, as we, we put out, the, to use our existing buildings and our existing built environment. And the most sustainable home is actually the one that's already built. Um, and when we look at the scale of vacancy, for example, 166,000 vacant homes across the country, tens and tens of thousands, we don't have exact figures because we don't have this data, um, on of derelict properties and you can see them across our towns and villages, huge numbers of derelict properties. And as I said earlier, currently, for many property owners, it's not considered financially viable to do up these properties. They, um, and therefore, the question, as I as, says, as, as come back to, what do we do in this case? An estate agency set up with the finance could compulsory purchase many of these buildings, could offer to their owners to refurbish them because it would have the direct construction capacity, it would have the expertise, and it could engage in huge programs of urban regeneration, of bringing into use thousands and thousands of derelict buildings relatively quickly, which is not financially viable for the private sector, but on the social and environmental costs is clearly necessary from our society's point of view. So it is about making a decision as a state. Do we are we serious about climate targets? Are we seriously about delivering sustainable, uh, livable villages, towns, um, cities? And a state construction agency that would retrofit and refurbish our uh, housing stock would offer a key way to address both of those. The other areas, as we mentioned, is the issue of delivering through modular uh, methods, uh, factory delivered housing. Uh, sustainable methods, developing those carbon neutral forms of housing delivery that are, are not as profitable to, as traditional delivery. Uh, sustainable homes can be delivered at very affordable prices from between 100,000 per home, um, which are really, you know, these are figures that are transformative. But as has been the point has been made, that is a real challenge to the current housing delivery system, which is based on maximizing profit, um, and therefore these carbon neutral, uh, much lower carbon forms of, of delivery are not deemed to be worth investing in because they're not as profitable. And so therefore a public agency, a public sustainable home building company um, would actually be set up with the mandate to ensure zero carbon, uh, net zero delivery of homes would absolutely have to invest in the most um, sustainable forms of house, housing delivery. And it would be done not on the basis of what is financially viable from a profit perspective, but be done on the basis of what 
the environmental uh, costs are. And I think that is a real, and I would really make this case to environmentalists, to those who are concerned with the climate, that actually relying on the market to deliver sustainable housing is not going to work. That in actual fact, it has to be the state and supporting community uh, building, community housing, local housing, sustainable housing delivery, bringing into use the refurbished uh, refurbishing stock and vacant stock is a key way to do this. And maybe filler, Peter. Yeah. yeah, no, I suppose I just wanted to add as well. Um, I suppose like um, in terms of sustainability, we are considerably behind our targets for retrofitting. And I suppose that's where it's very important that we have a state body providing this at a lower cost for those who cannot afford it. Because often like people who are on the lowest incomes, their houses are like they're, they, they're in most need of the retrofits. So, and of course, if we're to reduce our target climate emissions, this is very important that we do retrofit these that, these low-income houses. And of course, social housing as well. Like there's some social housing stock that's in very poor condition. So, of course, having this national uh, building agency retrofitting would make a huge difference in terms of our And of course, all the very like buildings located in Ireland, the most the greenest building is the one that's already built very important that they're restored and a lot of them are located in central areas such as towns and villages and so instead of expanding the commuter belts it's very important that we do up these houses such as these derelict houses that are in our towns and villages and I suppose that kind of ties in with the 15-minute city as well because people would be able to walk to their places of work walk to their places of schools rather than relying on cars to drive in from these commuter belt towns. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Rory. I'm just conscious now of time because once it hits 12.30, this webinar will cut off and we have a lot of questions. So I might just ask our panellists to keep their responses a little bit shorter now and because some of it might get repetitive as well. A lot of questions are quite similar. Um, this question here is asking about how this proposal might avoid a repeat of the zombie estates, but I think you've covered um, that in relation to sustainability in, in the two answers given there. Um, unless, Rory, you want to say anything on that? Well, I just think, yeah, again, at that point, it was made as well um, from some of the reviews of the paper was, you know, well, what would you do with these, you know, permanently employed workers um, when, the, <laughs> when the housing crisis is solved? And I was like, well, a certain level... Um, you know, you would say, well, OK, well, let's get to that point. If we solve the housing crisis, we will be uh, in a very great place. But um, on, on a serious, you know, longer term analysis, there is no point in the future where the refurbishment of homes is not going to be needed. Homes have. And this is where we made a fundamental mistake um, in our approach to housing in this country was the idea that you build a home and then that's it and local authorities were stripped of their um maintenance capacity of and you know we have seen and phil mentioned it there our public housing stock our social housing stock essentially being run down over decades and decades not being maintained and you know i worked in one social housing estate in dolphin house and with others like st michael's estate um for many years and saw directly the impact of what happens when you don't maintain your buildings. Um, and particularly in Ireland, 
And particularly with climate change as well, weather is going to change. There's going to be upgrading of buildings needed to meet new climatic conditions. Um, but I've seen, you know, and, and they exist. And, and we give the figure um, in the report for the extent of substandard housing stock that exists in this country, uh, horrific conditions of mold, of damp that exists in hundreds of thousands of buildings public and private rental across this country. When is that ever going to be addressed? Uh, tenants in one social housing estate in the state where I worked, Dolphin House, have been told it will take 20 years until every home is upgraded and regenerated in their in their estate. 20 years. Um, so, you know, the idea that there will be a point at which there is no work for these workers is a complete misunderstanding um, and I think it's a purposeful misunderstanding of how housing works, how buildings work, um, and what role the state has to play in maintaining its housing stock. Um, and I actually think this is one of the strongest arguments in favor of this. Um, and I even, you know, discussing it with people, you know, think the most basic things of, you know, people can't get plumbers. To fix a, a you know fix a, something in their in their home, and um, they can't afford plumbers, they can't afford electricians, and then the house starts deteriorating. Imagine we had a public service whereby you could contact the public housing agency and say, "I need a plumber," and they would provide that at an affordable, subsidized rate. Like in terms of people's lives, this could transform people's lives, not just in terms of delivering new housing, but in upgrading, maintaining in helping with the cost of living crisis. Like that is where this could go in terms of um, providing housing. And it's where it should go as a public service and, and acknowledging and realizing that without healthy homes, people can't live lives of dignity and healthy lives. And there is many, many, there are, you know, the figures we know, there are millions of people in this country living in substandard housing. And there is no plan to address that housing. And a housing building agency is one way we could address it and, ha and have it addressed into perpetuity. Okay, thanks, Rory. Um, again, another question, possibly uh, a lot of detail here in the actual question. So I'm just trying to, they're referring to the Dáil Committee recently on budgetary oversight and the discussion about sur surplus billions and the idea of a long-term horizon. And could the National Building Agency being proposed here come under that kind of aspect um, so I don't know who wants to come on that. Who wants to respond to that question? Um, I'll leave Rory do this, actually. I think, and Peter, I'd say, will have something to say about this one as well. Um, I, I think that, you know, we make the point in the report very, very clearly that what has emerged with the budget surplus offers the Irish state, the Irish people, the opportunity to solve the housing crisis on a permanent basis, we would argue. Um, and it has been referred to our, you know, the equivalent of Norway um, and their oil reserves and what they did with that um, in creating, you know, funds that were wealth funds and, and in developing their economies, uh, in investing in their society. And the idea that this budget surplus um, of upwards of 26 billion 
would be put into some future fund and is being put into some future fund that we know will just be used to bail out uh, banks or private developers or the private sector at some point in the future. Um, when we have this utter social and economic emergency critical right now, it's just baffling. It is baffling in its illogicality. Um, and we should, and we make the case, allocate a significant proportion of those funds into doing this, into setting up a national uh, sustainable home building agency and in expanding public housing that would actually deliver real material uh, gain to people's lives. Thanks, Rory. Does P- do you want to come in there, Father Peter McFerry? Well, um, yeah, I think at the moment, I would consider Ireland to be a failing state. Why, despite all our budget surpluses, despite full employment, why would any young person with a qualification want to stay in Ireland? They're never going to own their own home. They're going to be paying outlandish rents for the rest of their lives for insecure accommodation. We have the, one of the highest costs of living in Europe. When they can go off to Dubai or Australia or Canada and have a much better uh, quality of life. So I think unless we address this issue, this issue of housing costs, uh, Ireland is going to, despite our wealth, Ireland is going to con- is just going to go down and down and down. And the problems are going to get worse and worse and worse. If we don't have adequate housing, people are not going to have adequate health. They're not going to, uh, they're not going to uh, uh, be able to meet the cost of living crisis. We need, as a matter of utter urgency, uh, to, to provide homes and rental accommodation at a price that people can afford. And we have failed over the last 20 years, not just to do that, but we have seen the problem getting worse and worse and worse. So I'm, I'm totally in favour of this proposal, I think. It, uh, if people don't want this proposal, let them go up with something else. And don't tell me we have to wait for supply to meet demand. Uh, that's not, uh, that, that's not, that's not going to happen for many, many decades. Thanks, Father McFerry. I'm just conscious now really of time. We have 13 minutes left. Um, I'm just going through the questions here. There's a lot of support uh, for the proposal, a lot of questions still left. Some of them are similar. So maybe one that sums up a few together, a few questions asking how does what is proposed um, link or build on or offer more than our current agencies, say, for example, the housing agency or current strategies and other innovative developments like modern means of construction, MMC. Um, now, a lot of the questions I'm looking at here, there's a very good question in relation to people with disabilities and how the proposal would address their housing needs. Um, a lot of the content in the report, which is going to be available on the Minute University of, um, Social Science Institute website, will answer a lot of those questions for people. Um, but maybe I'll just put those that kind of broadly there to uh, Rory, because there are a good few are coming to that kind of similar question. Um. In terms of, could you repeat the question again there, please, sorry. In terms of how your proposal um, complements or builds on or offers more than our current agencies or our current strategies or other innovative um, developments like MMC is being said here in two comments. And I suppose it's really asking about the question of, of, of duplication or added value or, or what's um, 
Yeah. Well, well, the first thing is that we don't have any um, direct employment of construction expertise by the state um, on a significant scale. And the I so that's firstly, so for example, the land development agency um does not hire directly uh construction workers or that capacity and was not set up on that basis. Um and it has very limited powers in terms of um, for example, compulsory purchase order. It has very um limited uh remit in terms of areas it's developing in. Essentially, it is a form of um NAMA, you know, asset management of public land um, and, you know, contracting of private developers. Um, and it is not delivered by people with housing expertise, um, with social and affordable housing expertise. And the Land Development Agency, I believe, should be subsumed um, under this uh, agency. And it should be continued to focus and should be um set up essentially as a, as a subsidy or a subsidiary uh company or a subsidiary agency as part of this uh agency and focused on land because land is central but it needs to be brought in uh as part of this um because the land of a the land development agency acting on its own is not a coordinated, coherent response, and it doesn't, as I say, have the direct uh, the direct um, construction expertise, and it is not set up to do what we have proposed here and what we explain is needed. Um, and the the other issue then, you know, has been asked about, you know, local authorities and what they do, and I think it's very clear that we need capacity, we need scale. And we're at a particular point where a single entity that is focused on this could rapidly achieve that scale and capacity beyond which trying to ramp up the capacity of each individual local authority could achieve. And that is um, so. And there are strong, strong arguments for developing the expertise in one particular organization that is is focused on housing and develops that um expertise and similarly i think that the other issue is we need to substantially um expand public housing beyond just um even what this home building agency would deliver so we need to continue with local authorities um delivering housing and they also have a huge role to do around maintenance managing housing uh, which they are under resourced for currently um, and, you know, housing authorities, local authorities need to be the front line of managing housing, uh, of identifying needs, of allocating housing, um, of ensuring issues like, you know, vacancy and dereliction. And those are followed up on and would be playing a very uh, coordinated and partnership role with the agency. So I think that rather than this being seen as duplication, that it needs to be seen as an, an additive uh, capacity and a way of achieving it quickly, um, I think. And maybe Phil could come in on that as well. 
Um, yeah, no, I suppose um, uh, well, I suppose I've always covered everything there, but I guess um, at the moment we're just we're overly reliant on the private sector to deliver social and affordable housing, and I mean that is just not the business interests of the private sector. So this is why this agency is so important because it's yeah, because who else has been to them and like we've been waiting and for this to happen for the last uh, fifteen years and like I mean. Just you know, like it's it's cheaper for the state to build itself rather than um, relying on the private sector. And uh, yeah, thanks, Phil. Thanks, Rory. There are just so many questions, but I will reiterate the report and the policy paper does address a lot of the questions that I'm seeing here in the Q and A and the chat, and maybe just. Very, very briefly, because I know there is a piece in the policy paper on particular groups that face additional barriers in trying to access housing. Um, And there is a question there about people with disabilities and how the likes of this agency would work uh, for groups like that in terms of meeting their needs. Yeah, I think that's a really important question. And we do, you know, highlight that, that and, and, you know, in in the opening that there are many groups uh, who specific needs um, who aren't being catered for in terms of housing and um, disabled people is one group who have particular uh, housing requirements, housing needs. Um, and there are real issues with the current form of delivery of housing um, through the private market because they of social and affordable housing through the housing uh, market. Because developers and investor funds build the housing not on the basis of catering for uh, disabled people's needs, accessibility, but deliver on what is uh, profitable for their design. And therefore, we have the purchase uh, by um, social uh, bodies um, and local authorities of this housing, which isn't actually suitable to uh, accessibility, uh, mobility, and other um, issues in terms of housing needs. So, therefore, we need a housing delivery which is specifically designed to meet um, those needs of particular groups in society, um, particularly looking at disability, for example. Um, and a public agency would do that because that would be its mandate and it would be directly designing and delivering housing uh, based on that. So I think it would be a, a much better way to, to meet those needs. And as, as we said, you know, that would be part of its mandate. It would be set up with a clear mandate to meet the needs of various equality groups within society, uh, travellers as well, for example, um, and also, you know, elderly people, for example, um, lone parent, uh, one parent families, these housing types that the market is not delivering for individuals, single people that that simply are locked out of the market. It would deliver affordable housing uh, and public housing for those groups. So I think this would be a way in which we could meet those needs much better. Thanks, Rory. And conscious now we're at the very end, there is a good suggestion there about having some type of follow on to today, maybe a half morning seminar, because obviously it's raising a lot of discussions. And when people get to read the paper in their own time, it'll raise even more um, questions and um, hopefully support. But is there anything, I don't know, Rory, if you have access there to see some of the questions, anything in particular before we're cut off that you feel needs to be addressed? I think I've covered... um, the majority of the questions. There is one there, but I think you did cover it when you talked about the added value and the role of having the national structure for building. Um, it's a question about local authorities and the role of local authorities. Um, a lot of the other comments are supportive. Um, other, a question about other countries that have done something similar. Um, 
again, a lot of that is in the report. Is there anything there, I suppose, maybe rather than trying to answer individual questions now, which I hope the report will answer for people? Um, and obviously, you are always accessible as an academic for people to contact you directly with questions and follow-up discussions. But is there anything you want to add um, from any of our panellists, Dr. Rory Hearn, Father Peter McVerry, or Phil Murphy, before we close this morning's seminar? It'll have to be very brief because we're down to five minutes. And thank you to each of our panellists if I suddenly get cut off and don't get to say that. And thank you to everyone who tuned in this morning. Um, I know how busy everybody is, um, individuals and people involved in organisations and charities working with homelessness and housing. So thank you all and to our elected representatives as well. So that's the thank yous done and, and the appreciation. So any final comments from our panellists? Um, just yeah, say thank you very much to Phil um, for uh, the work she did on it. It was absolutely uh, essential. And um, to Moosey as well, uh, the Maynooth University Social Sciences Institute for uh, supporting us today and hosting it um, to Anne and the others there. It's fantastic to have that support um, to, to <coughs> Dr. Crean as well and uh, Father Peter McVerry um, for you know, supporting it as well. And to all of you who've been here um, and engaged with, I know there's a lot of questions and there's a lot we need to work out. And I really hope to us uh, progressing this together um, and working out, you know, what is the, the best way. And, you know, it, it will be, of course, trial and error in terms of doing it, um, but it just, it, it needs to be done. And um, we really feel that we need a game changer. We need um, to do this. And just out of interest, there is a municipal uh, construction company in Helsinki, uh, run by the Helsinki local authority. There's also um, an arm's length um, public construction company in Glasgow, um, which delivers um, homes and refurbishes and retrofits as well. Um, and, you know, there are other countries internationally that have state owned construction companies. But as I said, you know, we have a particular um, requirement for it here in Ireland. And I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be a global leader, a leader in Europe and actually uh, delivering public housing through the public sector and making it a reality as a human right and a public service. And wouldn't that be something that we'd all be very, very proud of? I'll leave it there. Perfect. And before we get cut off, um, I'd just like to highlight that we have a petition that we started last year calling for this. We have over 700 signatures so far. It would be wonderful if everyone here today supports this idea could please sign and share. And I'm going to send up the link again now. Thanks, Phil. I suppose then we'll come to Father Peter McFerry if you'd like any last words. And thank you again for your time this morning. As I say, I think this is the most important uh, document that I have seen in relation to housing uh, development. I think for those who are opposed to it or those who are sceptical of it, produce an alternative because I haven't seen one. All I've seen is continue doing what we're doing. So the onus is on those who are sceptical or those who are opposed to produce uh, their own suggestions uh, if they can. Yep. Thank you, Father McFerry. They're very well put and very um, clear words to conclude our webinar this morning. Again, thank you to the panellists. Thank you to Musi uh, for supporting <laughs> the seminar. And thank you to everyone that participated. And that was um, the webinar there launching the uh, case for a national sustainable home building agency. Really hope you found that interesting. Um, lots of ideas in it. 
and you can check it out, download the full document on the Maynooth University Social Sciences Institute website. That's a Maynooth University. Go to Moosey, go to um, news or events, and you'll see the details on the launch and the report can be downloaded there. As always, um, please share the podcast around, let people know you're listening, uh, spread the ideas around, and we love to hear your feedback as well. Um, We really appreciate it. And if you can, consider becoming a patron. Support Reboot Republic. We are an independent produced mo- podcast by, um, not a modcast, a podcast, by Tony Groves of Tortoiseshack Media Production. Um, and it is, yeah, completely reliant on our listeners supporting us, funding us to keep it going, keeping the show on the road. So if you can, please chip in whatever you can. Go over to um, patreon.com, patreon.com, whatever way you want to say it. Patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. And we look forward to engaging with everyone in this idea and progressing the solutions to the housing crisis and solving it. Um, And we will talk to you all very, very soon. Thank you for listening.